Thank you for listening to the Giving Light Podcast. We are a family church and world outreach center. Our heart is to empower you to walk in true freedom and equip you to impact your world. Please visit our website at givinglight.org to learn more about us and our many resources, including original music by Brave Music, e-courses for leaders, tools for raising powerful kids, and more. If you would like to support Giving Light financially, visit our Give Online page to choose the best giving method for you. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy this message. All right. How's everybody doing? Awesome, awesome, awesome. So uh, because of time, I'm just going to jump right into it. So everybody got your seatbelts on. Yep. All right. So today I wanted to talk about covenant. All right. Do you guys remember our, our three core values? Bravery, influence, and covenant. Not necessarily in that particular order. Uh, a value, but those are what they are. Uh, so today I'm actually going to focus on covenant. So uh, I'm going to talk about the foundation of a covenantal community. All right. So what does covenant look like in this culture? So Rebecca, I skipped the first slide so you can just go to that second one. So, uh, all right. Awesome. Giving Light is a living family organism where relationships matter. Say relationships matter. We believe in cultivating, meaning that there is some work and effort involved in developing this, right? It's not just like, oh, we just love each other all the time. It's actually work and effort to make this thing right, okay? So we believe in cultivating and demonstrating the exchange of healthy life. We honor, we challenge, we validate, we defend and care for one another through deep relationships of the heart. So these ties transcend geographical location, but bind us through a deep commitment to one another's success. Sounds awesome, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. It Now we got to walk it out, right? (laughs) Which we are. We are. But uh, so today I wanted to lay a foundation of what it means to be in covenant. And secondly, I want to show how it's a part of God's plan for you to be connected in covenantal relationships. All right. Are you guys ready? So God's plan for covenant. You see, God is passionate about intimacy. He's committed to connection. He's actually so committed to it that he actually sent himself, right? He sent himself to restore connection and relationship. So we were created in the image of God, which means we were created for connection. Say created for connection. connection. With God God. and with man. See, we like the part with God, right? We're not so sure about with the man part sometimes, right? Because we're imperfect people, right? We don't always respond the best way. We don't always react or we don't always speak in, in, in love, right? But we were actually created for connection with God and with man. All right. So in a fundamental way, When we long for connection with one another, we reflect his image. So when we long, when we desire connection, not just connection, a shallow connection, but a deep connection, we're actually reflecting who he is. So Genesis 1.31, God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good, and he validated it completely. Completely. 
<laughs> Genesis 2.18. Now the Lord God said, it is not good. Say, it is not good. Beneficial for man to be alone. I will make him a helper, one who balances him, a counterpart who is suitable and complementary for him. Lynn's getting excited. Woman. All right. So God actually, so at first he, cre he create, uh, he uh, looked upon his creation, right? And he said it was good and he validated it, right? And then, what is it, the next chapter or uh, some verses later, he looked at Adam and said, it is not good. So he expresses dissatisfaction, right? Mm -hmm. Are you guys following me? I know. But that's what he said, it is not good, right? It's not beneficial. So some people may interpret this verse solely as a reference to marriage between a man and woman, solely. But I believe that this, this verse reveals and communicates so much more. I believe this verse reveals a core need within mankind, a need for relationship, a need for connection, a need for partnership, complementary relationships. Okay? God said it's not good for you to be alone. All right? But the cool thing about it is all these needs are available in healthy, committed, covenantal, Christ-centered relationships. Yes, marriage, but also part of the community of believers, the body of Christ. Now, is it always perfect? No, but that's how he set it up, right? Or like, I'm not going, yeah, that's how he set it up, right? If God's plan is to have you connected, then the enemy's plan is to separate and isolate. Yes, yes. So Adam had complete unhindered access with the Lord, right? Mm -hmm. He had purpose and responsibility that fulfilled his life, right? He had assignments. He had things to do, right? And yet... God considered Adam to be unfinished or alone without relational partnership. See, a lot of times we can get the call of God on our life and we do it on our own strength all by our lonesome selves. But God actually looked at Adam and said, you're unfinished if you do it alone. This is going to be a good one today, right? So Adam was unfinished without relational connection and partnership. Adam could have been busy doing the work that was set before him and remained unfinished. When you value your calling over relational connection, you become imbalanced. I'm going to say that again. When you value your calling over relational connection, I'm not saying that... We need to value both. I'm not saying that we don't value calling, but what I'm saying is when we value it over relational connection, you become imbalanced. Now, this might stretch you even a little bit more, but Adam had unlimited access to the presence of God, and yet it was not good for Adam to be alone. That's quite interesting. How about that? So this whole thing is just me and Jesus, and I just remove myself from the body? No, that's not his plan. That's right. Because even in the very beginning, when it was perfect, he said it's not good for you to be alone when he had complete access to him. 
That's kind of stretching, isn't it? So this should challenge our thinking on how we view those that God has placed within our life. This is nothing to do with God's ability. The truth is God has all sufficiency to meet every single one of our needs, but he created us to need each other. So is it true that God could meet every single one of your needs? Yes, he could. Yes, he could. But he actually designed you to need one another. He designed you for connection and partnership and intimacy and an exchange of life. Ephesians 4, 16. And he makes the whole body fit together perfectly. And each part does its own special work. And I think one of the things that uh, cause strife in the body is people say, well, he's not doing it like me. And right here, the verse says, everybody has their own special work. And why is this important? Because it helps other parts grow. Why are you irritated by someone else's voice? Because maybe you need it to grow. Yes, that came out of my mouth right now. Yes. <laughs> so the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. It's not only our connection with God that matures us and makes us healthy and full of love. It is our interaction and connection with his body. Imperfect people that complete the process of love. We're like, God, I want to be like you. We'll get in with his body. Come on. You will never be fully matured in love on your own in isolation. Now, I'm talking about real, authentic interaction. I'm not saying just being in the building. Well, I go to church and I sit down and then I go home. Well, that's not real authentic interaction, is it? So you can actually be in the building, but not a part of it. Does this make sense? So we were created to have connection with God and with man. Partnership with God and with man. Intimacy with God and with man. God makes it clear from the very beginning that it is not good Say, it is not good good. for for man to be alone. I love this question that God asked Elijah when he was hiding in a cave. What is a cave? A cave is a place of isolation, right? No one's like, hey, you hanging out the cave tonight? Or maybe if it was a nightclub, I don't know. Man cave. (laughs) No, we're not going to go there. All right. That might be reading a little too much. All right. So 1 Kings 19.13, suddenly a voice came to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? Now, this is God speaking, right? We know that God knows everything, right? But he asked him, what are you doing here? So do you think that God was asking it so that Elijah would know? Or that he would know. Elijah. 
So that's the most real and revealing question you could ask. What brought you to this place? Give me an explanation for your situation. Why are you here? So Elijah's answer was, I love this real spiritual answer. He basically goes, I am so passionate for you. I, I just love you. So I am just so passionate. And then he ends with, I'm the only one left. Which we know from scripture that's not true. But that's how he felt, right? So this is a real answer, right? God, I love you. You're so amazing. I'm so passionate. I will do anything for you. Then comes the lie. I'm the only one left. Could it be that we're waiting on God to release us from a place of isolation that we put ourselves in? God just released me from it. And God said, why are you there? Why are you there? But why was Elijah there? Because he believed a lie. You know, I'm the only one left. I'm the only righteous one here on this earth. That town is filled with a bunch of unrighteous. I just need to get away. You know, we'll say things like, no one cares about me. No one. Meaning, seven billion people on the face of the earth. No one. No one cares. No one cares. So these are all lies that bring us into isolation. You know what? There's no way that I'm trusting anybody else. That's the last time. That is the final straw. No more trusting. You know when you say you won't trust again is I'm going to a cave to hide. Right? You know, we'll say things like, you know what? I'm better off alone. Just better off. Better. I'm better. I'm better being me by myself. No one argues with me. Well, sometimes I do, but, right? Oh, this one's a big one. I'll just keep my mouth shut from now on. You know what? I'll just keep my voice quiet. You know what? When your voice is silenced, it's a form of isolation. I'll just keep my mouth shut. Hey, and there's some, some relationships where there's nothing else to say. I get that. But I think when we generally make this across all relationships, that's where we fall into it. Like, I, I could look at Renika and say, you know what? She has proven that I cannot trust her, so I'm not going to trust Renika. But I'm not, gonna, I'm not making it across the face of the earth, 7 billion people. Does this make sense? So, like, you have to judge a relationship wisely. I'm not saying that. All right. This one's a big one. I can do this on my own. No one does it like me. No one does it like me. 
All these lies are there to silence you and isolate you. I love what Bill Johnson says. Any area in your life where you have no hope is under the influence of a lie. I'll say it again. Any area in your life where there is no hope is under the influence of a lie. If you look at a situation in your life and you say, there is no solution, there is no hope, it's an indicator that you are believing a lie. Make sense? But this is a great, great lie buster. This is something that uh, really helped me. Uh, and I heard this, I forget who this, the preacher was, but basically uh, the lie buster was, there is always a solution. So if you're in a place where you feel that there's no hope, start saying there is always a solution. I might not see it, but Lord, I'm open to it. There's always a solution. So isolation is where the enemy wants you to be so that you can stay in cycles of defeat, failure, and frustration. His goal is to separate and disconnect you. Isolation is not just physically removing yourself. Okay, I'm going to say this again. Isolation is not just physically removing yourself, but closing your heart off, shutting down emotionally, cutting off communication lanes, avoiding accountability. These are all forms of isolation. Now, I'm saying this stuff to expose the enemy. I'm not pointing fingers. I've found my play, my, myself in places of isolation, right? So I'm just saying it to expose the enemy. So I'm not exposing you. I'm exposing what the enemy's doing. Does this make sense? So let's go back to Elijah, right? So he's like, I'm so passionate for you. I'll do anything for you. Uh, but I'm the only one left. But this is God's answer. Go anoint some kings and a prophet to take your place. Now, let me just say this. That transition was slow. It's not like, you got an attitude, let's get someone else in here. This transition was slow. But let me just say what, what he was doing. He was bringing him back to relationship. Right? Notice how isolation, isolation disconnects you from purpose. You will never fulfill purpose hiding. I'm going to say that again. You will never fulfill purpose hiding. Isolation means to remain alone or apart from others. Think about this. As if prison was not enough punishment, they send you to isolation in prison. Where they actually say, this is where it messes with people's minds, right? So think about this. In prison, the way they punish you is to remove you from others. Have we been punishing ourselves because we escaped to isolation. Now, I will say this, that there, hey, I like to be alone sometimes. Mm 
I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. I'm just saying, is there a cycle of just removing yourself from those around you? Does this make sense? Like, I say, we need alone time sometimes, right? <laughs> All right. So, okay. So beware of spiritualizing your self-imposed isolation. You're only punishing yourself. Nelson Mandela said, resentment is like drinking poison and then hoping it will kill your enemies. You're going to treat me like that? I'll just, I'll just go hide in a cave and think horrible thoughts towards you. And somehow this is going to hurt you. But it only hurts us, right? Like I said, I'm just trying to expose, expose the tactics of the enemy that want to steal, kill, and destroy. We were created and designed to have connection, partnership, intimacy with God and with one another. So how does God reconnect Elijah back to his purpose? He reconnects him back with people. You cannot fulfill your kingdom destiny apart from people. Oh, I thought that was just about me. I thought my calling and my talents were just about me. Well, let me just say this. When, when it talks about the Holy Spirit giving gifts, he's, but what are the gifts for? For the profit of all. Okay, wow. So the gifts that I've given you are for everybody else. How do you know if you're in community or you're in connection with people? People receive from your gifts. But that's another sermon in itself. Uh, Chris Valentin says, sometimes you can't find your destiny until you find your people. Sometimes you can't find your destiny until you find your people. The truth is that your destiny is with your people. Like Ruth, your destiny is often in the people you are with. So our destiny and the people we are called to are intertwined. Proverbs 18.1, he who willfully, say willfully, separates himself from God and man, seeks his own desire, he quarrels against all sound wisdom. Wow. Say with me, it is not, it is not good, good for me to be alone. So I had to set this up so that I could talk about covenant, right? Because I think this is a real tactic of the enemy, to separate, to isolate, to pull you away. How many of you have ever separated yourself emotionally? And, oh, come on, people. Right? All of us, right? Right? You're like, I'm so wounded right now, I can't lift my arm. (laughs) So what I want to do really quickly is when a revelation is revealed and it convicts us, that's the perfect time to repent, yeah. right? All right, so that's what we're going to do right now. All right, so it, you can close your eyes, you can keep your eyes open, but, you know, get in your spiritual position, I don't know. All right, uh, ask the Holy Spirit to reveal where you've disconnected and isolated yourself. So let's just take a moment, say, Holy Spirit, it's not going to take that long because he, he's always talking. 
So Holy Spirit, reveal to me an area within my life that I've disconnected and isolated myself. And most of you already know what it is. And if not, awesome. Okay, everybody got something? All right. Let's ask the Lord to forgive you for believing a lie about yourself, about your circumstance, or even about God. So just ask the Holy Spirit, God, forgive me for believing a lie about myself, about others, about my circumstance, or even about you. Maybe the lie is, God sent me to this place of isolation. That would be a lie, okay? Maybe the lie is, I'm just going to keep my mouth shut from now on. I'm going to let my voice be stifled. Whatever it is, let's just repent for it and just release it. And we know that his truth will set us free, right? So right now, let's just ask the Lord to reveal a truth. A truth about who you are. Maybe for some of you, you saw yourself as being weak. And maybe God just shows you a picture of a strong, powerful person with armor on. Whatever it is, just ask the Holy Spirit to release a truth to you about who you are, about who he is. Or Okay, once you get that, it's important to meditate on that truth. Okay? For influence, for the... for. Uh, for change to really occur, it takes the relational workings of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Meaning, every day, get up, think about what he's spoken to you, and allow him to reveal more. You know, how many of you have ever had a revelation in church, and you're at the altar, God, I will do anything, and then by lunch, you're like, well, what did he say again? I can't remember. <laughs> so for change to actually really happen, you have to think about it. You have to meditate on it. All right, sounds good. How many of you guys are free? (laughs) Yeah, we're free. All right, come on, guys. All right, so, awesome. So I wanted to kind of point at the problem so I can point at the solution, right? There's always a solution, right? So how do we recognize and align with covenantal relationships? Well, first, let's look at what covenant means. Did you know that covenant is both a noun and a verb? Covenant as a noun, it means an agreement, a commitment, a guarantee, a pledge, a contract, a promise. An agreement that usually is formal between two or more persons to do or not to do something specified. Okay, so it is agreement between one or two people that this is what we will do and this is what we won't do. Does this make sense? All right. So covenant requires understanding. You're not in understanding if you're in assumption in relationship. Right. You're not in covenant with someone if you're just assuming the roles. Does this make sense? So covenant requires understanding. How can you be in agreement if there isn't understanding? You know, I hear a lot of people, you know, even with my mom or even with me or my dad or they'll say you know what I need you to be my spiritual father I need you to be my spiritual mother 
I need you to mentor me. I need you to lead me, right? You know, we've heard about we need spiritual fathers. But for me, I also think of, well, what does that mean? What does that entail? What are my responsibilities as the leader, or what are my responsibilities as the father, and what are your responsibilities as the son or daughter? Are you guys understanding what I'm saying? It's not just like, hey, they're my spiritual mom and dad. Let's take a photo op, right? It means, if that's the case, what are the responsibilities of both the father and the son? The father and the daughter, the mother. Are you guys understanding what I'm saying? Another question is, what cost do you and I need to pay to make this healthy and fruitful? Because I truly believe that healthy relationships are an exchange of life. Meaning, as the father, I receive a benefit from having you as a son. And as a son, you receive a benefit from me as a father. Does this make sense? So there's an exchange of life. And sometimes that cost, right? So what are the costs? So until you step into agreement, covenant, there will, there will always be disappointments and unfulfilled expectations. Let's say it again. Until you step into agreement, meaning you say, this is your responsibility. This is my responsibility. This is what I can expect from you. This is what you can expect from me. Until there is agreement, there will always be disappointments and unfulfilled expectations. Have you guys ever gone into a relationship and after a while you're like, well, that's not what I expected. You know, I thought you were going to do this for me. You know, if you're my mama, you need to give me all these platforms. You need to be doing this. You need to be doing that. And then people are like all upset and offended because they didn't have an agreement of what this relationship actually meant. Does this make sense? When you are in covenant, it's important to understand the type of relationship and role. So this is why it's important to know or have expressed expectations. What do I mean by expressed expectations? Don't just have your expectations in your mind. Well, I thought you were going to do this. Well, I didn't have that same thought in my head. This is why we sit down and say, this is what we are offering in this covenantal relationship. Does this make sense? Uh, Clearly define boundaries and responsibilities. This is only possible with communication. Let me just give you a quick story. Uh, When I first, the first time Aaron and I ever talked about, I'm sure most of you've heard this, but first time we ever really talked about, you know, are we going to get married kind of thing, you know, our very first discussion. And just to give you a picture into what was going on with in me, I was terrified out of my mind, right, because we never really expressed it. You know, it was just always like, hey, 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 you know, kind of thing. And so this, this was my, so we, I remember it, we were sitting on the back porch at Loretta's house, and you know those lights that they're not like white, they're more yellow? I still remember like the setup, like we were there, and um, 
So the only thing that after like an hour of like frustration of trying to communicate, it really just came out and it was like, I just said, are you thinking what I'm thinking? <laughs> and then I was like, what are you thinking? Oh, no, I don't. So that was like the first step into, you know, entering into uh, marriage. But that's why it's so important to express or communicate expectations. And it's only possible when you communicate, right? If I never communicated, this would never happen, right? <laughs> All right. The deeper the relationship, I want you guys to get this. The deeper the relationship, the greater level of expression is required. So if you're just casual with someone, you don't have to sit down and say, hey, like, what is this relationship? I don't know. I just see you at the store once in a while. Like, you don't, <laughs> need, you don't need to be like... Uh, like, I see this person at Weiss all the time. We don't need to have a conversation of, like, what does this relationship mean? I'm talking about the deeper the relationship, the more intimate it is, the more things that you're trying to accomplish, these talks are really important. What, what are your responsibilities? What are my responsibilities? Does this make sense? Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, I love what Katie says. Uh, she said this a while back, but expression is more powerful than assumption. Yes. So just don't assume something. Express it. All right? You cannot be in true agreement in assumption. Yeah. Well, I thought you were going to do this. Nope. <laughs> Covenant at its core is agreement. All right? So that's a noun. So it's an agreement. Covenant as a verb uh, means to agree or to enter into covenant, meaning that there are actions, responsibilities associated, associated with agreement, promises, or commitment. So the agreement is the noun, and the follow-through is the verb. All right? So it's not just like, hey, we have an agreement. We're in covenant. Yay! No, it means now's the time to follow through. Does this make sense? All right. So we make covenant, the noun, through agreement, and we do covenant, the verb, by expressing it by the expression of that agreement. For covenant to be fully realized, it requires both a noun and a verb. So verbs express action. Say with me. They express action. So one of the ways that they express Action is a physical action, like to swim or to write or to climb. So there's no such thing as a covenant relationship without the expectation of responsibility. Matthew 4.20. So wouldn't you say that Jesus was in a covenantal relationship with his disciples? Matthew 4.20. At once they left their nets and followed him. So there was an actual physical act of you know, covenant. Luke 5.11, so they pulled up their boats on shore and they left everything and followed him. One of the great examples of a relational covenant is marriage. So what, is, what happens on the wedding day? There is an exchange of vows or promises, right? Which are expectations of responsibility. This is what I promise to do, right? So the deeper the relationship, the greater uh, greater levels of expression, like, uh, so uh, this is why people can be afraid of having deep, meaningful, covenantal relationships, because they cost much. 
They require much. But the benefits and rewards outweigh the sacrifice. I'm trying to push through this. It's all good, though. Um, So these responsibilities are established in the agreement stage. Don't have the attitude, well, I didn't agree to that. Well, you agreed to love, didn't you? (laughs) Right? That's part of this. So when I talk about agreement, it's like you have like macro agreements, right? To love, to cherish, to be committed. And then there might be some micro things that you guys agree on. But don't have the attitude, well, I didn't agree on that specific thing. Well, you agreed on some other things. Does this make sense? I'm trying to bring, you know, sometimes we can get real, um, not sure what, uh, yeah, legalistic, yeah. That's a good word. I was thinking anal, but we can, <laughs> we can go with legalistic. Okay, so it can be expressed in a physical action. Another one would be a mental action. It means to think, to imagine, to consider. So covenant requires a protection of your thought life. Mm-hmm. Meaning I have a responsibility to meditate on the good towards yes. the person I am in covenant with. Yes. So good. Broken covenants are the result of a negative thought life. Yes. So it's not just... I'll, I'll do all these things, right? But it's also when a thought comes in my head, like, I want to kill this person. I, I'm not very happy. with. I protect my thought life. Does this make sense? So when you are in covenant, it's not just the physical responsibilities. It's also the mental responsibilities. Why do you think it's, the scripture says, take every thought captive? Who are we in covenant with ultimately? The Lord. And he says, take every thought captive. Does this make sense? Mm -hmm. When we are in covenant, we are committing to guarding our heart and mind. Guarding your heart, taking every thought captive is not just a good idea. They They are covenantal expectations and responsibilities. Say that again. It's not just a good idea to do it. It's actually part of your responsibility in covenant. Because being in covenant is not just what I do, but it's how I think towards you. Yes. It's, being in covenant is not just what I do. It's how I think about Reuben. Make sense? So you could, you could be breaking covenant by letting your thoughts just run wild. Yeah. And the truth is, that leads to a broken, actual broken covenant. So it's never like, I just woke up one day and just, we just grew apart. No, you didn't wake up one day. You've been thinking about it, and you've been processing it. Does this make sense? Yeah. I mean, I was even telling the youth the other day, I don't try to make these sermons. I really don't. I, I feel like, you know, I always got these hard sermons, but that's just what's, that's what I get. So I know you love it. You love me for it. All right. Here's, I actually learned this from uh, this Bible study that we were doing. But there was this person that was struggling with their boss. And every time they sent an email, they just thought they were just so angry. And so they went and talked to their boss about it. And they're like, oh, that was probably the boss was very straight, cut and dry kind of person, right? 
And so every time this person read this, it was just like, they don't like me. You know, they're angry with me. And so this is what the boss said. He said, every time you get one of my emails, see me with a smile on my face. And after that point, all that stuff that was going on in the inside of them just left. Because every time, this is who they really are. They have a smile on their face when they send this to me. I need this now. There's a <laughs> smile on my face, right? Does this make sense? So that's just a practical way. Like when you're in covenant with someone and you're thinking or you're, there's a misunderstanding, think about them with a smile. They're not angry. But maybe when you do talk to them, that's when you can find out more information. But don't, we are terrible assumers most of the time. Yes, yeah. Sometimes we're up all night thinking about this and then you go to, I, I didn't even say that. I thought you, you know. Don't trust your ability to, like, yeah. Anyways, all right. Uh, if you want to strengthen covenant, um, if you want to strengthen the covenant relationships in your life, it begins with how you think about them. I mean, like newlyweds, sometimes it can be disgusting, right? But newlyweds, <laughs> it's like, you have broccoli in your hair. Let me grab that. Isn't this so cute? Three years into it, if they don't get that broccoli out of their hair right now, I'm going to rip someone's head off. You know, it's kind of like. <laughs> but what, what does it go to, right? It goes to how they think about one another, right? Does this make sense? All right. Just a funny example. Um, listen, offense and frustrations will come. They will come. But in covenant, I make the commitment to protect the thoughts I have towards you. Do you guys see this? Offenses will come. You will become very irritated with one another. It's going to happen. It's a promise, okay? I guarantee it. But can you commit to keeping your thought life pure towards me or vice versa? Does this make sense? All right. And the last way that we can express uh, being in covenant or uh, covenant as a verb is a state of being, meaning to be, to exist, to appear, meaning I am in covenant with. So who you are flows from that relationship. So let's say someone comes up to you. Let's say you're married and this girl comes up. Hey, how's it going? Well, I can't do that. Why? Because I am, I am, who I am is in covenant. Do you see the difference? It's not just a decision I make. It's actually because who I am. Oh, that's good. So when we're in covenant, I don't do things because I am. Right. Are you guys following this? Because I am. It's not just an idea or a thought. It's because actually who I am flows from that. So what does that mean? There could be open doors for you that could be contrary to covenant, but you won't take because I am yes, in covenant. So Does this make sense? Yes. So doors are either open or they are shut because why? Because I am mm -hmm. in covenant. Make sense? So it commits us to a process of relationship, uh, relational growth, meaning because I am in covenant, I'm committed to communicate to you. 
Meaning like, because I'm in covenant with Lynn, right? And there's something that might irritate me. It's my responsibility to say, hey, Lynn, this is what I'm feeling. When you said this, this is how it made me feel. Can we talk about this? Why do I do that? If someone cuts me off on the highway and flips me off, I'm not going to run them down and say, hey, can we just talk about this? I really wasn't, right? But because I am in covenant, I will communicate. That's really good. Does this make sense? Because I am in covenant, I will trust. Because I am in covenant, I will have a shared vision. Because I am in covenant, I will have compassion and partnership and empathy and teamwork. So when you enter into covenant, you are no longer in a vacuum of you. It is we. So it's not like, well, that's just not how I meant my actions to be. Well, it's affected the group. Let's talk about this. Does this make sense? All right, covenant made simple. We exchange the very best of ourselves. Not only am I giving, but I'm receiving your very best. Healthy boundary, healthy relationship produce trust, and trust produces intimacy, and intimacy is an exchange of life on a heart level. So can you see how our core values of covenant and influence are intertwined together? So influence basically just means what flows into me and what flows from me, okay? So when we exchange life, it's what flows into me and what flows from me. So can you see how covenant and influence are so intertwined? But let me just say this. Bravery really is what puts it all together because it takes bravery to say, hey, Lynn, this is how that made me feel. It takes bravery to do that. You know, sometimes we're like, a man doesn't show emotions. Well, actually, it's pretty brave for you to do that, you know? All right. Uh, covenant only works in agreement. I'm not just saying that you always will agree on every situation, but that you are in agreement that you are both committed to a healthy, loving, covenantal relationship. Remember how I said covenant? begins with agreement. But what I mean by that is you will not always agree. It just means that you are committed to working it out and stay honoring in your thought life and your attitudes and all this stuff. Does this make sense? All right, good stuff. What time is it? Thank you, Jesus. Um, I am going to be very compassionate today, and I am going to skip to the end. And uh, <laughs> you're like, thank you, Jesus. I mean, I don't know if my heart can handle any much. So I was going to talk about, so I'm just going to make everybody feel bad now. <laughs> now, what I was going to talk about is how life flows in a kingdom culture. How, how does that work? And I can talk about it another time. I'm here, so we can talk about it another time. All right, so let me just end with this. Uh, this comes from Banning. He's the leader of Jesus Culture. And he, and he said, my best isn't good enough. My best won't get me through. It takes the best of those that I'm covenant with to make it work. 
So he was just talking about uh, when he was struggling, like, with relational things and stuff within his heart. And he realized his best wasn't good enough. Being in isolation and trying to figure it out all on your own wasn't good enough. He said, it takes the best of those that I am covenant with to make it work. To be honest, for your marriage to work, it takes covenant as a team. You know, Katie talked about a long time ago that would you rather be solely responsible for protecting your heart or would you rather have all of us protecting each other's hearts? Does that make sense? Meaning like, because I love someone, I'm going to say, Renika, like when this is going on, I feel, you know, or just start communicating so that you can protect her heart, so that you can protect, hey, the enemy just wants a foothold. He just wants his foot in the door. And if we can just slam the door, this culture, and I, I know that this culture is healthy, and, but we can always improve, right? We can always improve in it. So I'm going to end with this. Covenant is not always pretty, and a lot of times it's messy. But God designed his people to live in and through covenantal relationships. So it's not just a good idea. It's actually part of his plan. Say, it is not good good for for me to be alone. Lord, we just thank you for today, Lord. And Lord, I just thank you that you are healing our hearts, God. Lord, I thank you for that time where we could repent and just say, you know, I just got off track. And Lord, you are so faithful just to bring us back and to teach us and to guide us. And Lord, I just thank you for today. I Lord, Lord, I pray that everyone's hearts will leave here just refreshed and renewed. Yes. In Jesus' name. Yes.